Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie, and I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We at the Business Creators Radio Show are what's known as a From the Field podcast, and we take you to those places where you have those mastermind meetings and aha moments that change your life or at least bring you a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. So today we come to you from the couch of my sumptuous Las Vegas apartment here in the hottest city in America known to some, although not particularly today, as we've been undergoing a bit of a cold spell for whatever you make of that. And what I wanted to cover today is something, or what we're going to cover is something, we have a very interesting topic, a very interesting guest. This is actually a little bit of a change of pace from what we normally do here, but it's a road we take every so often as it is worth, as it is worth explaining. So it has to do with the whole thing about trauma and how we understand our sensitivities as superpowers. And it has to do it has to do with that connection between some of the things that happen in our past, some of the things that happen in our trajectory, and how they can continue to impact your relationships in business and the world. When my assistant saw this originally, she was actually questioning, does this belong on the Business Creators Radio Show? But believe me, it does. And the reason being is this is something that I've seen so many entrepreneurs, including myself, not even know was one of their struggles until it was brought to their conscious knowledge here in in the world. So our guest today is somebody I've been chatting with her for just a moment here in the green room. And she is somebody who has some really interesting insights on this. Her name is Sophie Showerman. She is a conscious, holistic therapist and coach. And just to tell you a little bit about her, she has 10 years of experience working with children and families. And in her previous experience, includes in-home school-based and outpatient individual and family therapy for multiple community-based agencies, as well as serving the lead play therapist at the Denver City for Play Therapy. Now, this actually, again, may sound like, what's this doing on an entrepreneurial podcast? But you're about to see, as I'm going to have Sophie explain it to you. But let's bring her in first. Sophie Sharman, come on in. The weather's fine. Hi, Adam. Thank you so much for having me today. All right. Uh, The pleasure is all ours and our listeners, and we hope you have some fun with us, too. I read off a piece of your official bio, and you have a very broad and deep 
background in this area, which is fantastic. And in some ways, I'm not sure I'm worthy to be in, in your presence here due to your experience. And this is my show. And our typical question that we ask our guests is to go beyond the bio and tell us a bit about your journey and what's brought you to your intersection of your brilliance and your passion serving entrepreneurs today. And I think that's a valid question. And in your case, what I want to do is say, and tell us about how some of the steps in that journey have brought you specifically to the understanding of how this impacts entrepreneurs. Absolutely. I, I'm reflecting. Um, I For some reason, I hadn't thought about this until sitting here together, but I actually grew up around business and, and entrepreneurial spirit. My dad being a self-proclaimed serial entrepreneur, yep. started many businesses and fun fact, um, was on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine at some point. Um, wow. But to me, he was just my dad. And, yep. <laughs> and I was definitely not going into business. I was going to serve my community. So I, um, so I followed the path of supporting children, understanding mental health, eventually going to the School of Social Work in Denver to get a master's, learning how to be a trauma therapist. I can explain more about the specific work that I do now with the highly sensitive person, but um, but lo and behold, I did end up going into business because uh -huh. I suppose it was in my bones, um, and it's been really, really rewarding to to learn that I can both be in that kind of purposeful community work and run a business and get a lot of enjoyment out of that side of things. I actually can't imagine my daily life without the business side now that I'm in private practice. Okay. I don't know if this, I don't know if this is not for nothing, but you said, and I heard just some of your intonations of it. You said, Oh, I, I never thought I'd be in business. Was there some objection to the idea that you would go into business yourself? Absolutely. I think that um, I, well, it kind of goes into this conversation topic around where we hold stuck points in, okay. in our systems. And for me, I think it, I don't think it was totally conscious until I started to work on it, but I definitely had some work to do around worthiness and, and what I believed um, to be equity. And I, yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the, the conversation topic you referred to was just around this idea that, um, a lot of us do hold negative beliefs in our systems, usually based off difficult moments in our lives. Um, and in becoming a therapist and doing a lot of healing on myself, I realized that I was holding a lot of stuckness around not feeling enough. And I didn't right. even know that that was preventing me from being in my work in the way that would most fill me up and then therefore be able to have me in a position of, of most service. Um, and as I unpacked, you know, the younger parts of me as a sensitive person myself, um, what it was like to be in a world that maybe wasn't so sensitive, I was able to see like, oh, that moment when I felt misunderstood or, oh, that moment when I was perceiving everything happening in the room and just got overwhelmed, I somehow turned it on myself and felt like not enough. And then I was actually fulfilling that prophecy and doing work that wasn't um, fully rewarding me for what I was putting out. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, really, really. And in a way it's so common. 
Mm-hmm. I, my, I was there myself. I came to a point, and I've shared this in my so many episodes of the show. I got to a point where if I tried to vision the future, all I saw was a blank screen. Yeah. And I went through a three-year period of not knowing what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I tell folks, I didn't know what business I wanted to be in or what I wanted to market or what I wanted to develop. So my one and only prospect contact, marketing, whatever you want to call a channel was this show we're on right now, the Business Creators Radio Show. The one thing that the audience I'd attracted up until then could count on was that every week there'd be another episode. And for me, that was my only real vehicle for getting new business. On the one hand, it was kind of liberating because I could do whatever deals or projects I wanted without having to declare myself being a certain business. It's just a matter of what conversations or what interactions I had with the guest. And on the other hand, I also could take on projects. It might even be outside the brand a little bit and experiment with a few things, which had its own liberation factor to it as well. All the same, I really wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but I look back and I saw some of the underlying themes where my first 10 years in business had been a repetition of the pattern of being browbeaten into being told what my dreams, goals, and aspirations were. And I think I see that in the entrepreneurial space and some of the areas when it comes to coaching and business design. Mm-hmm. Folks are told, uh, if you don't do this, you're not really in business. If you if you keep these friends, you're not really in business. If you don't throw away this mindset, just throw it out, get rid of it. You're not really in business. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I tend to be the one who, with other guests, highlights the links between your world and the entrepreneurial world in the conscious realm. But today I'm going to switch and I'm going to become a bit of a student about this. So in some of your examples, and I know you can't give names or too many specifics, but uh, where have you seen in your work your opportunity to perhaps release some of us from these very sad tendencies? Yeah, so people come into my office with stories about themselves, stories about the world, stories around money, which is really just one manifestation of energy. You know, it can be even like Uh a really grounding one, usually relates to safety and security. Um, And I've seen over and over again, because I do so much work to support children and what they need, that the adults coming into my office also have a whole set of inner children that are working through different elements. And it's just incredible to see how um, how a lot of the stuck points, especially when they relate to safety and security, are being directly reflected in how they approach money, their work, their worth. Um, and so being a trauma therapist, I'm trained in EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing Therapy. That's a really yep. evidence-based tool for reprocessing stuck trauma points. It goes be- beyond conscious awareness into the subconscious and helps kind of reprogram um, negative beliefs into positive ones. So in that process, I've noticed that as people step out of what I refer to as the trauma field, meaning the energetic field, and in that field, they're just activating literally neural pathways in the brain that come from a place of trauma. So um, 
one, one for me, I'm sharing examples for myself, but I've seen so many different things and there all the versions of this with clients. But for me, the story was life will always be overwhelming. Like my nervous system will always be overwhelmed and therefore I won't be in a place of um, maintaining a capacity where I could receive a business that's stable and secure. Um, So as I worked through that and I was like, actually there were times that my system perceived overwhelm for really good, for really good reason. But now I'm safe and my brain's in a different spot and I do have power and control. The story shifts into not life can, will always be overwhelming and not even life won't be overwhelming because your brain still hears overwhelming, but life can be well, like it actually gets to be easy. So in that, like whatever version it is for people, I mean, I have a list of negative cognitions here that I work through, um, as I'm supporting people, things like I'm not good enough. I'm a bad person. I'm shameful. Um, I do not deserve dot, dot, dot. Or there's a whole list of them. The ones I just uh, mentioned refer to cognitions of defectiveness. Um, Uh As we sit with the pain that is connected to those beliefs, usually things that happened to us and experiences that we had and we move through it, we shift into a completely different energetic field that is the wellness field. It's the one where those cognitions shift into things like, I'm fine as I am. I deserve good things. I'm healthy. You know, I'm attractive. I can have, I deserve all of the positive affirmations. Um, And the reality that's manifested from that space is just a completely different thing. Certainly. Now, uh, I want to ask a question and then there's going to be an immediate follow-up question. Great. I remember when I was in grade school, maybe third or fourth grade, and we had an in-class writing assignments. I'm going to give you the phraseology of the question, and then I want to get your thoughts on the phraseology of the question mm-hmm. as follows. It was an essay. If you won a million dollars in the lottery today, what would you do with it? Okay. So what do you think? What, what do you think are the problems with that question? If you want a million dollars in water, what would you do it? Well, I feel pressure. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And a fan, like it's, it's a fantasy. I, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm stuck. Okay. So pressure, yeah. fantasy. I'm the only one that explains this one. So we're kind of turning the tables here a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where I get to be a little bit of a student. So I wanted to hear from somebody who teaches and works with this stuff. So pressure and fantasy. That's interesting. So here's what I typically point out about it. When we did the assignment, we quickly found out that not only the A answer, but the only acceptable answer was to make a list of people you give it away to and you had to give away every cent. You couldn't keep any of it. Oh, wow. Anything that involved keeping the money was considered greedy, wrong, and uh, it was rejected. You had to give it all away. There was no other answer. That is some serious programming to like, yeah, you don't deserve and you're bad and shameful if you don't share all of it and overgive your energy. That's different than I've ever heard it stated. And now let's look at the structure of the question itself. If you won a million dollars in the lottery, so what is that saying? That we can't earn a million dollars through our work, being successful, what we do? It's not possible to earn a million dollars. Let's say you are really, really good athletically. You get a scholarship or you get a contract with a major league team, pays you millions of dollars. 
Uh, let's say you invent something, you get a patent, and you mass manufacture it. You can't earn a million dollars that way. So the only way you can get a million dollars is if you happen by luck to win it in the lottery. Otherwise, that ain't happening for you. Mm-hmm. That yeah. The, yeah. So having a million dollars isn't something that happens for people like you. Oh, and if by some dumb luck it it does, you can't have it. You have to give it away. Uh, yes, it it reminds me how spongy a child's brain is, and all of the information that just gets put into it. Um, there was a child that was in my playroom in the play therapy process, and he was so excited. He said, "Guess what?" I can't like, you will not believe this. And he said, we opened a bank account. This child was, I think, six. Uh We opened a bank account and I put $5 in it. And he was like, for him, like that was abundance. And I want to fist bump this kid. Yeah. And, And the thing is like the, in that very moment, his relationship with money is what I have is enough. And what I have is amazing. And what I have is abundant. Uh And I guarantee from that energy, if it's not shifted, he would continue to attract more and more and more and be grateful for what he had. But the reality I kind of connected with in that moment is most likely at some point he might be told, you know, that won't buy him very much. And what would that do to his belief system? When I was in third grade, I somehow had $358 in my name. Wow. Don't or actually fifth grade. I don't know how it was that exact dollar amount, but it was $358. And for some reason I blurted this out in class. And my teacher actually called me a liar and said, You do not have $358 again. And if you say it again, you're gonna have detention. I will not have liars in my class. Meanwhile, sitting there in my drawer at home was exactly $358. Wow. Right. And so we have these clusters of memories that get formed around certain beliefs and they just sort of get stuck there a lot of times in our body or in our implicit memory, which isn't fully conscious. And we don't even realize that a series of events like these are are running our show. Yeah. So, Sophie, of do you have a BMW? I do not have a BMW. You do not have a BMW. Okay. So even though you don't have the car, maybe you'll understand something about how they're designed or how they're built. So can you tell me the difference between a BMW and a porcupine? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, one comes from the natural world. The BMW is manufactured. You're being you're being nice. Uh, The difference between a BMW and a porcupine is with the porcupine, the pricks on the outside. Oh, <laughs> we hear these. We hear these little jokes. Yeah. What are they? And what are they? And what are they programming us? Yeah, it means having wealth and having abundance is is bad. Like makes you makes you a prick. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you're in a position where you no longer go paycheck to paycheck, working to build somebody else's dream. Now it's time for you to build your dream. Yes. Just these couple examples. Boy, do we have it stacked against us. Yeah, I work with a lot of people that equate um, having money with being a prick. And it's tough to see it. It actually it, it regardless of the money, sometimes it prevents them from just pursuing their true purpose. It's like, uh-huh. well, they're they're blocked from that thing that they're really meant to be doing in the world that likely would have a financial exchange and they can't. Yeah, they're not seeing that that would be 
safe, more than safe, like needed for themselves in the world. Yeah. I mean, and all those little things are working against us before we even get started. So and, here, go ahead. Just, and they can really be repatterned. Like the more we slow down and look at what's really true in this moment or what might be a younger part of me or a cultural part of me that's not really my truth, like where which beliefs are fully mine and which did I learn from somewhere else that I really need to look at and re-examine and tend to any hurt parts that are stuck wherever that belief came in. Hold that thought. Our listeners who follow this regularly and have read my book, Groundhog Days, The Event Not a Business Strategy, know exactly why I just hold, said hold that thought. We will come back to this whole idea of the truth. Before that, I want to run another scenario by you from amount of this could have been your childhood this could have been a childhood of somebody you know but the kid does something that is quote-unquote wrong and they're put through a litany of reciting how wrong they were and then what are the and then what do they have to repeat back oh and it's not good enough unless they say it with conviction and sincerity mm -hmm. they have to say i'm sorry and i'll never do it again yes well, yeah, it's just creating a story that I'm bad. There's no learning that happens there towards more effective behavior. It's just suppression of the 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 impulse, whatever that child had. And uh -huh. really a sense of isolation comes with that. Um, yeah, there's really no like good teaching that happens from a place of shame and humiliation, really. Shame, humiliation. Yes. That that's what happened. It's not about it's not about developing. It's about subjugating. Yeah. And power. And, yeah. And, and power and how you're on the receiving end of it. And power is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So we have our, the opportunity to have power as entrepreneurs, but we've been conditioned that power is what hurts us. Yeah. Most... So, it holds, so it holds us back from wielding that power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most people, more people than not received some shaming in their childhood. I mean, it's just the way school systems have been set up and, and parents that had well intentions, they were trying to teach their children, a lot of them, it's just been the patterning. And in that shaming comes a mistrust in oneself because let's say I'm with a six-year-old and he has an impulse to do something that, that isn't cool with me. It was still his impulse. So instead, uh -huh. I need to look at like, what was happening? Oh, wow. Like you really wanted your body to be thrown on the window. Like what was going on for you? Oh, by the way, like we need to find something else, somewhere else to put that energy because it's not safe to have it go against the window. So it's like, yes to your body doing whatever it's doing. We have natural impulses and maybe a redirection, but the how dare you is just confusing. And the child learns I shouldn't trust myself. And there can be all sorts of things that come from a place of mistrust in oneself. Here's another thing that comes up since the idea of we've done something wrong, shame, humiliation. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen a case or perhaps this could have been something that you did consciously or subconsciously? And if you, and if you don't want to say about yourself, then make up a friend and tell us about him or her. Mm -hmm. You hold yourself back 
from doing the things you need to do to market and grow your business, get new clients, raise your revenues and your profits, because something's going wrong with one of your clients right now. A project is late. Uh, you had, uh, in, in your case, if it was doing therapy or something along those lines, it's really not going well right now. And God forbid that that one case where things aren't going exactly as they should, you're behind on your deadlines. Uh, maybe something came up with that one client. Maybe you're just having difficulties with it. God forbid. And who do you think you are going out and asking for new clients mm -hmm. when you, ha you haven't even cleaned your own backyard? Totally. I remember. Meanwhile, meanwhile, at least from a thought here, meanwhile, in order to deal with that situation that you need to solve, you need the security of new clients, new revenues, consistent streams of revenue. So now you don't have money problems on top of all the other weight that's on you trying to deal with it. For sure. Um, uh -huh. Go ahead. I think for me, it was in charging rates that felt like they matched the amount of energy I was putting out. I give a lot for my clients. Like I'm, you know, really dedicated to their process. And I, and I realized that the transformational container that I'm holding is different than the average therapist. And so it was a process to charge a little bit more. And in that kind of up level, I had to, um, I had to face rejection from some that were, that felt like that wasn't the going rate. And there were so many moments that I, because I was used to having consults and almost always the client would end up working with me. And so I went through this growth phase where I got a good amount of no's, like that just doesn't feel like an amount of money we want to spend. But luckily I had this amazing money coach, actually business and money coach. And she had supported me in making this shift. I would have to accept rejection and the shame that came with it and recognize this was just part of the interaction with that person. Maybe it's not even mine and, and I get to trust my center. And it was really rewarding to sit with that and not do anything about it. Even though part of me was like, maybe I should just lower my prices or maybe I should just not do another consult or find another uh -huh. way. And so that was, it was like sitting with those kind of ickier worth, like, am I worthy feelings that came up, but holding my ground, um, and the shift happened pretty quickly after that, where I was still full with that higher price. Yeah. Here's another place it might come up. And see, again, this is what we do at this show. It's kind of the mastermind format. One person says something and it leads to an inspiration with somebody, somebody else. It's like, oh, I can't wait for you to finish your thought. Now, it's not me listening to answer. It's me listening, saying, OMG, hmm. dude. Oh, that hits me. That, that's, that's the sentiment here. Mm -hmm. here's another here's another one for you you uh you work with a success coach for example i hear these stories fortunately this is not something that any success coach or that type of business entrepreneurial coach that i work with has ever said to me or anybody i know but i hear these well actually they have said to people i know because they've told me the stories but it's never happened to me and no none of these coaches this variety that i know would to my knowledge would ever do this but talk about raising your rates so you have a business coach that says, hey, you know what, uh, Sophie, right now, before you do anything, you got to raise your rates 20%. You're, you're undercharging. You have way too much value in the world. No, no. Stop everything right now. Log into your website. Increase those numbers by 20% and notify your clients that effective Monday, your new rate is 20% more and have them re-agree to it. Do it now. Mm, that pushiness. 
okay? And, oh, but by, by the way, that applies to everybody except me, and uh, I still get my discount, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that what what does that tell what does that tell somebody that the person that they come to for support in their business takes advantage of them? Totally, totally, totally. What and what now? What now? What happens in uh, many people's childhoods that can create? the foundation for that same pattern. Let's see if you can tell me any examples. Just the being taken advantage of in a way and like other people's needs and agendas um, outweighing like one's heart, really. Like, you know, the integrity. I think, yeah, integrity can be lost in those moments. It, It happens too fast and without awareness of the connection in the original agreements. Yeah. What what am I missing? You're not missing. You're not missing anything. Yeah. And that and 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 that sometimes leads people to be reticent about opportunities and deals they can make, even short term, that could accelerate their business. For example, barter arrangements. I typically don't recommend them for the simple reason that, particularly when businesses are in growth mode and there's not a consistent cash flow. Ultimately, we go where the cash is, which means we're going to go, we're going to swim to the whales, not the minnows. And those things we said we do in exchange for something else, those always find their way to the bottom of the pile because there's not cash associated with them. Mm -hmm. But then we're precluded even when we're in a better place to make arrangements like that because we've been taught that doing things in exchange for other things outside of monetary compensation is associated with being manipulated and being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. when that's not the case here mm-hmm. yeah it's like an it's always an opportunity to slow down and look at what thought patterns or belief systems are are running your show and like try, mm-hmm. and then reconnecting with your like intuitive center around what's right for you what's right for your business how can you be in respect to the people you're working with while also being in respect to yourself and your own energy yeah so So let's see if we can either solve this or at least show our listeners today that there is a path, that there may be something beneath their surface that they're not quite seeing, but there's an opportunity to find it, an opportunity to process it, and an opportunity to find a new paradigm, a new way that serves you better as you move toward your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. And there's a couple points you want me to cover in the green room. So I'm going to go through these with you now. The first is uh, what orientation out there is there to assist you in shifting out of this trauma field that we're discussing with all these little traumas here and there that pile up, moving out of the trauma field and into wellness regarding business and also regarding family, our own lives, our relationships. Yes. Yeah. Because I think that's an important (laughs) at the end there. It's like, if, if we're just focusing on it all going well and abundantly in business, and then we're not tending to our, the other parts of our lives, like family relationship and that kind of thing, then are you fully integrated in, in your systems? Um, to me, it's worth making sure you're tending to all of those parts of your life for full, yeah, for that fulfillment piece. Um, but a lot of what we've mentioned, I mean, doing really good trauma therapy where you have someone that's trained in holding space for negative beliefs that are running your show, insecurities, 
moments in the past where part of your consciousness is stuck. So I know that if I'm interacting with a part of my life and there's a big charge around it, like, okay, I'm feeling there's a lot to do this week and I get overly activated. Generally, there's something there for me to address and unwind so that, yeah, for sure, pay attention. Like maybe there's boundaries that need to be set. Um, Maybe there's better time management that needs to happen. But if it's really taking me into a dysregulated space where I'm just fully outside my center, and that could either be um, by kind of going into a hypo aroused state, which is like, depressed, checked out, lacking motivation, or a hyper aroused state, which is more like the internal anxiety or the external, you know, just aggression even, or just kind of intensity. Generally, there's something to to look at there. And it can be really good to get the support of a therapist. It can also be good to just do your own self-inquiry, like journaling about what are the beliefs that I've taken on around how I relate to my business from family, grandparents, 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 the culture, the school system I was a part of, the neighborhood I was a part of growing up, Uh the neighborhood I'm a part of now. Like you can literally write a list, pages and pages of the beliefs that are running your show. And then just take a look at what would happen if you flipped some of them and, and feel into if those flipped beliefs are experienced as more true in your body. And I think you might be surprised that, um, yeah, it's probably time to replace some of those old patterns that you didn't even realize were programmed into your system. I've heard that it's possible to actually go back and rewrite some of those patterns. Mm-hmm. One of my uh, one of my clients and one of my good friends, uh, Ross Jeffries, who's a dating coach, he works with some of his students and his primary audience are men who are looking to uh, date and flirt well actually it's a little bit of something else but we'll use those phrases and what comes up with men who are in the field so to speak if you you know what i'm talking about we're all adults here uh what comes up for them is all the times they've been rejected based on looks based on a perception of charisma that leads them to have internal beliefs that they are not attractive that that there's no way that they get to date the 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 homecoming queen it just doesn't exist for them Mm -hmm. they've got to settle so part of so part of this type of work that he does, I use him as an example, is having people pull up those cases in their life where they were humiliated through simply approaching a woman that he was interested in and going back and rewriting that story in their mind and turning it into a story of where she was receptive and things did go well mm-hmm. and using yeah. that to fuel future endeavors. Now, uh, that. Now, there are, I found out there's actually a debate over that approach. So I wanted to get your thoughts on it because we're kind of rewriting history here to fuel our future. I mean, that's the, that's part of EMDR therapy is going back and reworking what they call the movie. It's like we have, yeah, where our life is a movie and there's different scenes, like some scenes sort of going down a path that, that maybe were more negative and more related around trauma consciousness and, and we're just rewriting it and flipping the script a little bit back into a more positive movie. And the idea is that then you're the, the next scenes will be built on that. It's kind of like one of those books where it's where you're you read one page and it's like for this way, go to page 22 for this direction, go to 50. Do you remember those? Like, yes, I yeah, do. It's like, it's like we're we're like re it's like, oh, let's go back a little while and actually choose page 22 instead of page 50 and like see what happens that way. 
And I think it can't, that's the belief around that kind of work. Um, but also yeah. you can look from another scientific perspective, like I also offer ketamine therapy as a tool in my practice. Just, yeah, it's a, um, it's a basically a, um, like anesthetic medicine, the only sort of type of plant medicine that's currently legal, even though it's chemical and it supports people in opening new neural pathways in their brain. And the idea is that we have these loops running these networks in our brain, like anxiety, stress, anxiety, stress, or depression, isolation, depression, isolation. And once those grooves are activated, we get stuck in those ruts. And what that medicine does is it kind of shifts out of those, like kind of says like, pause for a moment, please. I'm going to try a new neural network and ah. it opens up more effective ones. I mean, my, how I've been trained is that it has to be paired with good psychotherapy, like to, to integrate the new networks that are being formed. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, other types of therapy and coaching are doing something similar. It's like, let, let's try on a different way. Let's go back to like those, where those stuck patterns originally formed and see if we can just bring some safety in remembering that like, you're not there anymore. Now you're safe and, and rework some of it so that you can trust in the newer networks to open up. Yeah. Sophie, do you, you want the truth? Yeah. Do you want the truth? I'm ready. Come on, come on. Demand it of me. Give me the truth. There's no such thing as the truth. Oh, that's ah, now it's pull that bookmark. <laughs> there it is. Are you familiar with the movie Scarface? I am. Okay, remember the dinner scene right before Tony goes to New York? This is the this is the scene also the scene where um Elvira leaves him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh he's he's at the restaurant, he's wearing the tuxedo. Mm-hmm. And he go he goes off on a rant against everybody who is there in the restaurant. And what is and what is that famous quote from as he's staggering around you people you point your fucking fingers and say that's the bad guy but what's the other quote that he says i can't remember i'm not good i always tell the truth even when i lie Hmm. i always always tell the truth even when i lie Mm -hmm. so i thought about what is that 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 means something, but I can't quite figure out what it is. I I spent time looking into that whole thing, and I recognized that beauty. I mean, let, let's let's think let's think about it. Uh, you know, I'm not sure of your personal relationship status, and that's you know not really relevant here, so we don't have to discuss if you don't want to. But uh, you know, there may have been times when you've been you know with your friends, what have you, and having conversations about well, the theme hot or not. And one of you says that some person is hot and the other says not. Both looking at the same person. One of you finds them attractive and one of them doesn't. Yeah. And 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 this and this somebody who disagreed with you ever said something like, What's the matter with you? How can you how can you like that? How can you find that hot? Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Yeah. That's what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Truth like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Here's here's an analogy for you. A car accident happens in, an, in a four-way intersection. You have three people who witness it from three different corners of that intersection. They each give witness statements, and the statements are not only different from each other, they're mutually contradictory. 
So they get all three of those witnesses to volunteer for polygraphs. Mm -hmm. They, again, give those different mutually contradictory statements, those witness statements. As I said, different, mutually contradictory, and all three of them pass the polygraph with flying colors. Mm -hmm. Because polygraph machines don't fact check. They test for signs of prevarication. That is knowingly creating creating a narrative, which some might call lying. Mm -hmm. Facts can be scientifically, empirically, and otherwise proven and agreed upon. Truth is how we interpret those facts based on our education, experience, background, and other factors that lead us to how we perceive things and how we assess things. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as the truth. But we all have, and this is why I asked you to put a bookmark on this, we all have our own truth. And yes, there's a plethora of articles that say anybody says they're talking about their own truth. Well, they just, to me, they just don't know the difference between truth and fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is about your personal experience and how you perceived something. Like what uh -huh. might be perceived as a trauma for one person might have been nothing for another. You know, it's like, it's about your your system and how you're perceiving it. Um so yeah, definitely the quote-unquote truth is very subjective. Uh -huh. Once you can embrace that, it liberates you in several ways, in my experience. It allows you to look at these traumas, these patterns, these things that have piled up in a new way. And I bring this up at this point because we were discussing how we can make that shift out of trauma and into wellness and how we can, through different means, essentially rewrite the story. Or if you want to take a gamification approach, go back one step in the game and choose a different option or choose a different door. Mm -hmm. There's another way of looking at that. The, you know, we have, what, about 350 million people in the United States, give or take. I don't know the exact number. I'm not even sure if anybody knows the exact number at this point. But uh and you know that they say that 50 million people in the United States some from suffer from some degree of trypanophobia. Mm -hmm. you, you know what trypanophobia is. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't have to explain it to you, but I'll explain to our audience. Uh, it's fears having to do with things like hypodermic needles and things like that. I have a really severe case of it. Mm -hmm. I think I know where it came from. I have this vision of something that happened to me when I was about seven or eight years old. And the people who are supposedly in the room claim it didn't happen. And I wonder if they're doing reaction formation because I remember this. It, it comes back to me in a form of a waking nightmare when I think about it. Mm. And it got compiled over the years of being intimidated into medical procedures that freaked me out. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even get my blood pressure taken without fainting. If you happen to mention to me, hey, did you know that... Uh, over in the other city in this state, about 300 miles away, they're doing a blood drive tomorrow. That might be enough to make me pass out. That's how bad it was. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. the now the last time that I found myself in the situation, I we you know we don't we're, we have uh, only about five more minutes here, and I there's one more point I want to cover with you, but uh, I want to illustrate this because it does tie back. Uh, it got to the point where. Uh, Somebody was, I'll tell the story very briefly, and there's a longer version, some of the other episodes, is, you know, after you turn 40, you get a, mis a mystery ailment assigned to you. Mine is cellulitis. I get, uh, every so often, the lower half of my right leg flares up. Uh, I already know the answer. Uh, get a script for cephalex, and I can get it from a teledoc. 
take it for 10 days. If it's not gotten done by then, see a doctor. Well, one time it flared up on me while I was traveling by airplane. And then I went to a, a clinic at the other end before I got back on the airplane. And and the and the nurse practitioner at the clinic said, well, yeah, normally I'd say this is this is cellulitis and uh and uh, yeah, it's, it will just give you some cephalexin, but you disclose that you're going to be on an airplane tomorrow and this could be a blood clot. So I'm going to send you to the emergency room so they can do an ultrasound to ensure it's not a blood clot. And I explained okay, the trypanophobia thing. And he said, oh, no, it's no problem. I'm, I'm going to call ahead. And uh, the, all they're going to do is the ultrasound. Well, I got there and uh, they came out with me with needles. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was, I was told, I was told there wasn't going to be any blood draws or anything like that. And the and the, the ER, the guy actually had the nerve to say, well, I'm not sure why he told you that, buckaroo. Mm -hmm. I uh, from what I'm, I don't actually remember what happened next because I went into that extreme fighter flight, but I'm told that I uh jumped off the table and uh, assumed the fighting position with him and I was ready to knock him out. Wow. Yeah. The trauma response because of the clusters of traumatic moments built on top exactly. of exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, and, and it turned out that, yeah, no shit. There was no blood clot. It was cellulitis as I uh, had been trying to explain to people for hours. Give me the, give me the damn penicillin pill and let's move on with this, please. Uh, but I came real close to saying, and if I were in a situation like then, I actually might, I could say something like, all right, so you're telling me it's probably cellulitis, but there's this 0.0005% chance it might be a blood clot. And if I get up on an airplane with a change in altitude, the blood clot could drive loose and go into my brain and kill me instantly. This is this is what you want to charge me thousands of dollars to find out is not actually the case, correct? But there's a 0.005% chance. I might say to them, you know, I'll take my chances. Mm -hmm. Now that now, does that counter? some narrative it's imposed upon us that oh no no you never make the choice where you take your chances you always go through the test and you make sure do i have to free will mm -hmm. yeah there are there are those certain like pain points that carry repeated experiences and but ultimately like you have you having a voice now in a way that you didn't in the very first experience is what shifts the pattern yeah, so this leads to what i wanted to go with you next and this i, I, I position this intentionally is another party work is helping people understand their sensitivities as superpowers mm -hmm. that can support purpose in this world yes um so my sensitivity is the trypanophobia and a superpower I got out of that was the was me finding my ability belated as some might say to assert myself and say you know getting a blood clot going in my brain is actually worse than this needle and it's a chance I'm willing to take yeah go ahead and try and stop me it's my choice my life mm -hmm. yeah our wounds become our wisdom when they're integrated uh-huh so what would you say for our listeners who feel like their struggles with whatever it is, parenting or relationships, their businesses, are holding them back from having what you call authentic, awakened living? living. And while you're at it, uh, if you could 
define that term because that's kind of where we've been going this entire hour is the whole concept of authentic awakened living so tell us how we make that transition and what it is yeah absolutely so um i think yeah just just what you pointed to like once supported and seen and moved through the challenges become simply chapters that we overcame and we learned something from so in getting the right support to find safety and security and then beyond that like really potential um because of the difficult events we end up having like strength and wisdom that we wouldn't have had without it so i think the more that we can move through and get the right support around those things the more that it just becomes part of our gifts and when i work with parents who are really worried about traumas or difficult challenges their children are going through or have been through i always say it's if they're supported and integrating this, this will become part of their offering, part of their superpower, part of what makes them them. Let's not shy away from it. Let's move towards it and give them the support that maybe they didn't get in that moment, the car crashed or that moment, the thing happened. Um, they they can yeah. learn to find safety and empowerment through that. And I think that authentic awakened living is about not shying away from our trauma points or our shadows or our stuck points. Like if I'm showing up to the workplace and you know, like holding space for everyone and, and being in it being one way, but then going home to my family and not slowing down to hold space for them. Like, am I really awake to, to my highest integrity? And so, um, so finding our, our highest authentic way with that and getting any support that we need, um, in the last example I gave, it might be that the workplace or the business isn't a trigger point, but the family home is. So it's like, we get to take radical self-responsibility for looking at our wounded spots and, and do the work. And I also like to think of it as like the trigger points. If you have a knot in your back or your neck, you, you go to get a massage and you want the trigger points to be touched and then you breathe through it and there's a softening and you actually feel better after. Um, it's the same with our emotional trigger points. It's like, let's, let's tend to those trigger points so that there can be a softening and a healing that comes from that. Wow. Uh, and to think that's so profound. And imagine those of us who grew up without that. Mm-hmm. And I and I share with folks that unless there was like overt abuse or something like that, it's very tempting to blame your parents and say they were evil people who are nasty to you. But this is why I think the genealogy and family studies are so important because you show the presence of patterns, the repetition, and you come to understand your situation better, that those things that might have happened to you in your childhood, particularly within the family that may have been hurtful, that ironically were supposed to be expressions of love, perhaps Mm -hmm. that's how they were intended, and the person expressing it was doing the best they could based on what they had. Think about it. You and I and many of our listeners are the first generation that had consistent access to the internet where we could find information and support networks that enabled us to break some of these cycles. Up until then, what was up until then, uh, no matter what happened to you, was done to you as a child, you also were given that pattern of saying, because you heard it from your parents and your grandparents for you, oh, I got so much worse from my parents and look at me, I turned out great. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, just in the way they say that, you can tell they didn't turn out so great and it's hurting them. But to the subconscious level, they don't even recognize how they're expressing it where people can consciously pick it up. Yes. So yeah. it's right there in front of us, Sophie. It's right there. Yeah. And it's others right can see it, but we need to see it for ourselves. 
Yeah, and it's really brave work. I was just right before this call, I was sitting with two parents that are going through my conscious parenting program for their sensitive, super feeling child. And, you know, they're looking at it, but there was some guilt and shame that came up. It was like, oh, have we kind of messed, have we messed them up at all? Like we've been engaging in some relational ways with him that we know aren't best for him. And it was like, you being here right now, like that's the 1%. That's the like, how many kids have like parents sitting there willing to look at their blind spots and do their work. And one of my mentors says, when you do the healing, you actually heal seven generations back and seven generations forward, like across generations. And so just being here and listening to this conversation is, is really brave work. Yeah. I, uh, many, many years ago, I I've been, I myself have dodged the M bullet. In other words, I've been engaged twice by having yet been married. I, was at somebody else's wedding. So myself having not quite gotten that far with my trajectory means I've been in everybody else's wedding in in the groom court. And I remember this one in particular where I was assigned, you know, I was one of the groomsmen and I was paired up with one of the bride's friends and there was the rehearsal dinner. Anybody who's been involved with what we call weddings in our society knows what I'm talking about. And being seated at the table at the rehearsal dinner with this woman I was paired with and her husband was there, and there, and the first thing that they introduce in the conversation is how they is how they had promised their kid that the kid could stay up and watch a movie, then changed their mind. And when the kid got upset, they smacked him, and they said that'll teach him for talking back. A few minutes ago, uh, a few minutes later, a server came by and asked, "Hey, does anybody need anything?" I raised my head and said, "A different table, please," because I could not be around that energy. Yeah, that'll teach your child when something doesn't go their way that you yeah yeah but but looking at this but looking at this from a place of of reference of looking back Mm -hmm. i know that there's a lot there was a lot of trauma patterning going on there Mm -hmm. and a lot of stuff that was at that point if they're going around telling complete strangers that they lie to their kids and then beat them when the kids get upset Mm -hmm. holy hell that volcano is about to explode yeah. Yeah. And of course they're doing their best with what they know in their system, but it yep. just, once again, it's like the, especially with malleable young brains as we're, as we're sitting here and talking about impactful patterning that entered us when we were most malleable, probably yep. like zero to 12, but especially zero to seven, the brain is just a sponge. And so, yeah, do doing, doing the work to, to make sure that kiddos of that age get get authentic parenting yeah. can can make a lifetime of a difference literally that that kid had his feeling hurts because i wouldn't let him watch a movie after i said i would oh boy i tell you if i had even asked my dad if i could watch a movie he'd have beat my ass so bad i wouldn't be able to sit for a week hmm. so that little bastard doesn't know how good he has it i went through worse and look at me i came out just fine yeah whoa see how this all comes together and all these things reinforce our stuck points and there's just and, a lot of pain a lot yeah it's a lot of pain so what i want our listeners to do is make sure you subscribe to the business creators radio show if you haven't already and as i said at the very beginning this is going to be a different type of conversation is there's well no overt make money strategy here but what we've covered in mastermind format there also wasn't a major 
you know, there's a step one and there's a step two and there's a step three to do this because in a way there is, but also in a way there isn't. It's again, based on your truth, your experiences, where you find yourself right now. And as somebody told me when I first began getting involved in hypnotherapy, they jokingly warned me, be careful because once you get started, you'll never stop. And what they meant by that is every time you uncover one layer, there's another one right under it. So it's continuous work and it's sometimes dreary it's sometimes painful in a way but it's also very exciting because you begin to feel powers you never had before now you have uh now you uh i want to invite everybody to visit your website uh and it's called rooted rhythm now this is for your practice therapy for highly sensitive children and women uh and holistic parent coaching and i think this is relevant for our entrepreneurial entrepreneurs for two reasons number one think of us as being those children that were in those situations and what we can learn now that even belatedly or retrospectively or retroactively could help us reclaim our power and rewrite our story to write a new chapter that up until now we didn't think was possible and for those of you who are parents what what can you what can you be looking at now that could be subconsciously getting in the way of your business success because of what's going on at home, what's going on with your kids. And there are resources here that can assist you with that as well. Mm -hmm. No, very, very interesting interview. Uh, as I, and I, I think I mentioned this when my, when our producer first saw this request for Sophie to be on our show, she even questioned, does this belong here? And I said, oh yeah, it belongs. It belongs. Trust me, I got a plan on this one, and uh, and uh, and I and I and and for our listeners, you may have to stop for a minute to think about it, but it's there. And if you have any questions, of course, reach out to me and go to www.rootedrhythm.com and connect with Sophie and tell her that you heard her on the Business Creators Radio Show. And with that, Sophie Showerman, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, and believe me, an education. Thank you so much for having me and letting letting me share what I care about most. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care. <laughs>